So in case you missed it, I wrote a book, like a full-blown cover-to-back book, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. The book is real-life talk about the things Christians aren't sure they're supposed to say. It's like the podcast and my Instagram times a thousand. Inside, I dive into things like mental health, being a fiery woman from within the church, friendship breakups, and more from the perspective of my life and how God has moved. So you can find out more and pre-order if you would like at crappychristianco.com slash book. Pre-orders matter a lot in the book world, and we have some awesome incentives coming your way, so that would really mean the world. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Joel, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. <laughs> Thank you. As a crappy Christian, I'm glad to be on. <laughs> yeah, you're like, we're in the same club. For sure. You Absolutely. are You are the managing editor, correct? At the Babylon correct. Tea. Yep. Which we were just talking. I think we probably have a, a lot of overlap of listeners and followers. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I think... This should be a pretty cool conversation. But so y'all just had a book come out, The Postmodern Pilgrim's Progress, Uh which is a, what would you say? Like a rewrite of the original? A reimagining? A reimagining is a good word. We still encourage people to read the original. We kind of added our own Babylon B spin and added a a bit of a sci-fi twist. So if you're familiar with, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or the Discworld series, there's a lot of those elements in it. And I, I think kind of what I like about it is that it, it takes a lot of this of, of like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and it exchanges kind of the, uh, the atheistic nihilism that you find in those books for something more hopeful while kind of using the same mechanisms. You have multiverses and aliens and things like that. And so uh, in that sense, it was really fun to write. And we hope that it, it results in, in people, you know, going back to the original because it, it's still, it's, it's still a masterpiece that we, you know, it was a big book for me growing up and, and for Kyle as well. So it's one of those books that I think every every Christian should read at least once. Yeah. Can you give like a brief synopsis of it for people who haven't read it? Yeah. So, okay. So the original Pilgrim's Progress was written in, I believe, like the 1600s by John Bunyan, who was a preacher. He, he wrote it from, from prison. And uh, it's it's arguably the first ever novel written in English. So at that time you had Shakespeare, you had epic poems and things like that. But as far as a a novel kind of written in prose in in the way that we're used to seeing novels today, this was kind of like the first first one. And to this day, it's still looked at as as kind of a masterpiece of English literature, but it's also one of the most important books. It has been historically one of the most important books to Christians over the years. So if you go back several hundred years, the Bible is the best-selling book ever and and close behind that is is pilgrim's progress so the kind of the central conceit of the book is that uh, uh 
John Bunyan is in his prison cell and he falls asleep and he has a dream and he dreams of this man named Christian who finds a book. He lives in the, this place called the City of Destruction and he finds a book that tells him the truth about the world that he lives in and, and he decides to follow the words of this book and, and he goes on this Christian journey. And so along the way, he meets all of these different characters that represent things that Christians face uh, in their life. It's allegorical. It's very on the nose. Yeah. Uh, very didactic. And, and uh, so the, the funny thing about it is a lot of it is kind of very similar to what we do at, at the Babylon Bee. And, and what I mean, whether it was intentional or not, uh, you read the original Pilgrim's Progress and there's kind of a, a, a funny satirical element to it. You know, so for example, Christian will be walking along the, the road, which represents the Christian life, you know, the straight and narrow. And he meets this guy whose name is Fool. And Fool says, hey, I know what you should do. And Christian listens to him. And you're yeah. reading it thinking, you know, Christian, why are you listening to a guy named Fool? You right. Know? It's really. And so there's there's some kind of inherent humor to that, which I think fits very well with, with what the Babylon Bee does. So we we took that idea. We decided to make kind of a modern version. In our version, the central character, his name is Ryan. Uh, we give him a bit of a backstory. He uh, he lives in uh, Southern California. He he loses his brother to a horrific disease and, and kind of his brother dies painfully and, and, and senselessly. And Ryan is, uh, he's kind of stopped believing in God or at least the goodness mm -hmm. of God. But as part of a dying wish to his, his last, you know, his brother's last wish, he, he goes to church because his brother is a Christian mm. and he attends a, this big old mega church where the pastor is wearing, you know, $3,000 sneakers and, and talking in platitudes and, and he gets into a confrontation with the pastor in the middle of his sermon. Then a projector falls on his head from the ceiling <laughs> and knocks him out. Um, he enters this dream. And essentially, our, our story begins as Ryan is, is entering this dream. And he wakes up as Christian mm. in a place that's very similar to the city of destruction. So it's, it's narrated also by a kind of an angelic character who is kind of bemused by humans and makes all these observations about you know, human behavior that he doesn't understand. So we, we were able to kind of uh, insert all our, our observational Babylon B humor in there. Yeah. Too. What was the shift from creating Babylon B content to writing this book? Like, was it, did it feel kind of seamless or was it like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, yeah, it is, it is a lot different, you know, writing prose is a lot different. The humor and the material I think is, is, it came out very naturally because both Kyle and I, we grew up in this world. We grew up in the, you know, evangelical American Christian world. So I feel like both of us have kind of had all of this material just built up inside us for, <laughs> right? for decades, you know, yeah. just, w just waiting to spill out. But, you know, writing a story is, is a lot different and, and writing a story with another person is different yeah. too. So yeah. we had to be very structured with it. We had to kind of outline exactly what we wanted to happen ahead of time in the story. And then we were able to kind of break that up and write our own chapters. So I think the narrator is something that we came up with later in the game that I think helped us get a lot of the Babylon B stuff in there. So yeah. he'll have these footnotes that he'll put at the end of, of pages sometimes where I'll make a, an interesting observation. And that's kind of where you'll see, you know, the, the classic Babylon B church humor is, yeah. is through the voice of the narrator there. I was like mildly geeking out before we started recording because I was like, <laughs> I love Babylon B. Like, I'm so excited. I was literally watching all stories earlier about the one like Satan's comments on the reversal of Roe versus Wade. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like dying. Like it's just ridiculous, but it's like y'all get to say what we're all thinking. Yeah. But y'all have this way of going about doing it and saying it that is it's so perfect that I know people get offended and they get all in their feels. Y'all are like y'all have been blacklisted from Twitter, all of those things. Because I personally don't know like the Babylon Bee backstory. Like yeah. where did that come from other than other than years of evangelical <laughs> practice yeah it's an interesting story so we were uh the babylon Bee was originally founded by a guy named adam ford who's kind of a mad genius who is always starting things and you know coming up with new ideas and he had a web comic before uh that that talked about theological issues in kind of this funny way and um i think shortly after the obergefell decision at the supreme court when they they kind of redefined the meaning of marriage at the supreme court the Onion, which it, you know, for anyone who's not familiar, The Onion is kind of a satirical website that does, does pretty much what we do, mm-hmm. coming from a different worldview, obviously. But The Onion uh, had a headline responding to the Obergefell decision that went something like, four Supreme Court justices suddenly realized that they will someday be the villains in an upcoming Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're laughing, right? You don't agree with it, but you're laughing. No, like, yeah, you know, it's, but it's, it, it's funny. Like, It's funny. You yeah. know, it's, and so I think Adam kind of had this, this light bulb moment where he thought that's clever and it's funny. And obviously they're coming at it from a, a left, a left wing worldview, but why aren't Christians doing this? Christians should be doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. So he, he kind of just put it out there to his, his uh, web comic fans on, online. Hey, I'm starting this you know, this Christian satire site, it's kind of going to be kind of like the onion, but for Christians. And, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in writing, let me know. Uh, and that's how Kyle Mann got involved. So Kyle Mann was just a, a fan of Adam Ford's comic, at the, started writing headlines for Adam immediately. And within a few days, it went viral. It just, yeah. it was like an immediate overnight success. The very first headline that Kyle wrote was, um, Holy Spirit unable to move through congregation as fog machine breaks. And I remember seeing that headline just as a fan from the outside for the first time. And I thought, what is this? Like, who are these people? <laughs> like, this is amazing. You know, it like and- hurts. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. It's like painful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, I think what was so revolutionary about it was, was you had these genuinely funny people who were satirizing Christianity, but not doing so from a place of hate. And they exactly. did it. They understood Christians, you know, a lot of people who make fun of Christians in, in the general culture and pop culture, they don't really get us. You know, they're not they're not right. mocking us from the inside. They're mocking us from the outside. So I think people really latched onto that idea and it, it, it really blew up. And then, you know, within a few months after the Babylon Bee was founded, which it's hard to believe the Babylon Bee only started in 2016. Yeah, I, I knew mean, it. it. You weren't super old. Yeah, it seems like it's been around forever. But it, I mean, a few months after the website started, uh, Trump was elected president, which created this huge explosion, like in like the Christian world was suddenly kind of at war, like, you know, should yeah. Christians support Trump? Should they not? And, and there, that's kind of where these huge divisions started. And, and that just gave us so much material oh my gosh. to play with, you know, you know, and, th- and then Trump alone was, uh, Trump gave us material. I was just about to say Trump <laughs> created so much content. He was like yes. a content cow. Yeah, he was. We really miss him, as a yeah, matter of fact. I, bet. <laughs> I would love to see him get reelected just so we have more material for our jokes. That's kind of selfish, <laughs> but 
so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started. And, and, uh, I came along, you know, a couple of years later, I came along in, in like 2019, 2020, it just as a fan started writing for them and kind of worked my way up from there. And now yeah. it's my full-time gig. That is so cool. I think <laughs> you said something when you were describing it about making fun of Christianity from the inside, like it's never, it's not mocking. I don't enjoy when people mock Christianity, but doesn't right. like Jesus to me is not something worth making fun of. But Christians, we are so mockable. It is not even funny. Do you have you seen like the Jesse Beth content on TikTok? No, no. What is that? <gasps> Got to look that up. Jesse. Oh, Beth. oh my gosh, it's Lacey Abercrombie, uh-huh. and she does it. I have trouble watching it because it's so real. Like she is just <laughs> that Christian girl. Like she did one not that long ago about like going up to a girl at a pool party that was wearing a bikini and like checking on her heart because like <laughs> you know we just don't want to make our brothers it's painful <laughs> it's painfully accurate like sometimes I have to stop watching it because I'm like this was my youth this is life. this is too much yeah oh oh yeah so, I remember all that the, the you know the the skirts you know yeah. you don't want them more than two inches above the knee oh yeah you know, don't don't wear your purse strap across your chest. You know that. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, like I mean, I grew up like youth group kid, and so she. There's another one. She does one where, or she does a bunch where she's like on a first date, and she's like, you know, I was just praying and like worshiping on my way here, and I just felt like I heard God tell me that you're the one. Like, and it's just like you have to go watch it. It's like horrifically painful and entertaining all at the same time oh it's so good maybe we maybe we should hire her i don't know or like collaborate <laughs> or collaborate yeah it's got a very similar feel but i think there's also like at this at the same time as it's hilarious and it's satirical there's also grains of truth to a lot of things that y'all post about just how outright yeah. ridiculous we are yeah you know the th- the thing about a bee is it it's it's cute and pretty but it also has a stinger in there mm. you know so it, we um, some of our stuff uh, will sting more than others, but th- there's always kind of that element to, you know, that we are trying to point, we are trying to make a point in, in what we do. And I think it was either C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton, I can't remember who said something like that, you know, Christians are the greatest and also the worst argument for Christianity. You know, <laughs> we're like our 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 worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, like Christians, when they are somber and self-righteous are the worst case for Christianity, but when they are joyful and peaceful and overflowing with the goodness of God, they're the best case for Christianity. It's like you encounter that every single day of your Christian walk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think something about, you know, Christians kind of being pushed out of, I don't know, pushed out of the culture or, or pushed out of power in the culture has, has served us well. And then that it's, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, we, we did, I think, earn this reputation over several decades for, for being kind of dour and self-righteous. I think now we, we, there's this, there's this feeling that we're kind of like these outsiders, we're kind of these rebels and we're, and we're just having a good time, which is, yeah. And our, the name Babylon B, it has some meaning behind it too. I mean, we're, we're talking in our name, in our very name, we're talking about like the, the Babylonian exile when, when Daniel and his friends were, were outsiders in their own, in their, their own home, you know, and that's a lot of the times how we feel as, as Christians and, and, you know, political conservatives too, we're, right. we're exiles here and we kind of have to give the, the results and the culture over to God. And in the meantime, just have fun and speak truth. You know, that's how we look at it. 
But I, I don't feel like you see a lot of that. And I think that's why mm. people are so drawn to what y'all are doing. Instagram, podcasting, all of that kind of stuff, writing a book, because if you have embraced the outcast misfit title, like I would say we collectively have, yeah, like then you're going to get, and I feel like this has likely been y'all's experience too. You Then you're kind of getting heat from both sides. Then yeah. you're kind of getting like, y'all have Christians and non mad at you. Sure. That, yeah. you know, and so that's like a totally different space to step into as well. Well, you know, satirists can't get too cozy with any, any one side anyway. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I think as soon as we sense ourselves getting too comfortable with one side or the other, that's usually a sign that we have to start kind of pointing the barbs the other way a little bit, or maybe yeah. towards ourselves a little more. So in, in that sense, it can be kind of a lonely place. <laughs> it can, but why not ha- like, let it be fun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like- I- if it's going to be hard, if it's going to be isolating, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. I, there's no reason at all why, why Christians shouldn't be like the most joyful people on earth. You know, Amen. we have the truth. We have Jesus. We know who wins in the end. We know who will be king of this world in the end, in spite of all the politics and how things shake out in the, in the short term. You know, I think when Christians have that perspective and, and we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, there's kind of this sense of peace that we can have as the yeah. culture ra- rages around us. You know, yes, we have to still speak truth and, and stand up for what's right, you know, and we do that. But doing so with a peace and a hope where you're not getting all bent out of shape and you're not getting cynical or angry, you know, having a, a mischievous, fun edge to it, I think that's it's so important. And I think that that's why y'all have blown up. I think that's why this podcast and like my presence has seen the growth that it has is because there's mm. enough like deeply consecrated, serious Christians. Yeah, totally. Like, that market is saturated. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I love what you said. Like why we are the ones with this direct line to the only real source of peace and joy. Mm-hmm. Why is that not just abundantly present in our lives? So let me ask you a question. Because I admittedly, like, I don't read y'all's comments or, you know, like how people yeah. are engaging. Do y'all yeah. get like Christian pushback a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get Christian pushback. I, you know, I think a lot of Christians have problems with our irreverence. They feel a little uh, disconcerted by kind of sometimes like the mocking tone that we have with yeah. different things. We get a lot of feedback from Christians and conservatives saying, hey, you know, like we're in a war. Like, why are you wasting your time poking fun at our side? Like mm. that's, that's not useful in a war right now. You know, even like, I'll admit this, to, even my dad, who's very much still like, you know, in that traditional kind of fundamentalist camp, like he doesn't like a lot of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we, we do get a lot of that. I think what's been more encouraging is the feedback that we've, we've gotten that we've helped our readers and our fans feel more at peace yes. in this world and, and, and find more joy. I think our, our news cycle and our social media is designed to keep us perpetually outraged and worried. Mm-hmm. And the, the bee has kind of proven to be a, a bit of an antidote to that. And I think the key to it is that we don't deny any of that exists. We address a lot of those tragic, you know, horrors head on, Yeah, but, but we do it with a sense of humor and hope that people need right now. So, but yeah, I think that, most a lot of our, our our negative feedback does come from 
from Christians who who just kind of don't like the yeah the mocking <laughs> yeah. So if you're like me and you struggle with any combination of stress and anxiety or being on your phone too much, maybe even, I want to tell you about the Abide app. I love this app. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app in the app store, and I've legit been using it for years now to help me fall asleep, to ease me into the day in the morning. I've even used it like mid panic attack. (laughs) So it's based on scripture and it's audio meditations that center you and help draw you closer to Christ. So for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off of a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash Blake. So you can get started today with 25% off of a premium subscription by downloading the app at abide.co slash Blake. There you'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. And in the meantime, you'll be supporting the show and get 25% off when you go to abide.co slash Blake. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash Blake to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. If you have been listening to the show or following on Instagram for any amount of time, you know I'm pretty open about my whole fight with anxiety. And one of the best tools I have in that fight is faithful counseling, online Christian counseling that you can do from the comfort of your couch. I love it because it's convenient and easy while still being highly effective and impactful. So I've partnered with faithful counseling to give you 10% off of your first month of working with them. All you need to do is head to the link in the show notes and you can be paired with a counselor in under 24 hours and start talking via text, phone call, or video call as soon as possible. And that was going to be my next question was like your, the, you know, more positive feedback, which as a creator like that's a choice. Like you get to make a choice mm-hmm. between what you focus on. And I'm not going to lie, probably in the last three to six months, I'm learning to yeah. embrace that. Like my content does not actually have to be for everybody. Yes. That's hard. It's like, especially hard in like the Christian space, right? Because this message is for everybody. Like Jesus's right. message and the gospel are for everybody. And yes, amen. But maybe I'm not. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I'm not for everybody. And the way that I deliver it is going to meet people. And like you were saying, set them free or make them feel less alone. And other people are going to hate it. And that has to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I, one of my favorite passages of scripture that's, that I've come back to many times since I've started at the B is when Paul, I, I believe, is talking about the, the body of Christ and how there's different parts to the body of Christ. and you know, let not the hand say to the eye that my job is more important than yours or vice versa. We all have very specific roles as a part of the body of Christ. And and some roles seem to the outside more honorable than others. Mm. You know, the Babylon B might be like the toenail or something. I don't know, but, <laughs> but we all have our specific job to do like the Babylon yeah. B you know, if all Christians were like the Babylon Bee, it would be insufferable, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but we do have our specific role to fill with reaching certain people who respond to that. And, yes. and the same with you, you know, it, it's just how God uses us. And, and I think I think it's that way on purpose. You know, God doesn't want any one of us to get too big. <laughs> right. 
or to become little tiny robots either. Yeah, exactly. You know, like he created you, Joel, with this like witty satirical mind. Like he create that's not a that's not an accident. That's not yeah. like a problem to work out. Like that's how he created you and you're using that gift to the glory of God to meet a certain kind of reader and consumer where they mm-hmm. are and help them not feel alone. Mhm. Honestly, nine times a ten, I'm like, just leave me alone. Like, if you don't like it, just leave me alone. Because there's plenty of people that do. You know what I mean? Like, you laughed when you when I welcomed you to the show and said, "Confessions of a Crappy Christian." Some people really hate it. Like, hate uh-huh. hate it, hate it. But I mean this in the kindest, most loving way possible. Like, they're just not the people that this content is for. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I can relate to the feeling of so with with our book, The Postmodern Pilgrim's Progress. I think. We've written other books in the past. We wrote How to Be a Perfect Christian. We wrote yeah. The Devil and Be Guide to Wokeness, which are kind of just they're straight joke books, you know? Yeah. This one felt a lot more personal because when you're writing a story like this, you put a lot of yourself into it. You mm-hmm. know, you find a lot of yourself in the characters and a lot of people you know in the characters. So it is what I, I heard one author say that, you know, writing a, a novel is like for an author, this is a little melodramatic, but it's like it's like opening your veins and bleeding onto the page, you know? A hundred percent. And uh, I, I remember the, the the book has been very well received, but we early on, we got one really bad review of someone who just hated, just hated it, just yeah. hated the book, <laughs> you know, and had all these terrible things to say about it. It was, I, I just was, it messed me up for like, uh, for a day. It's all I could think about. I called up Kyle, you know, like Kyle, you know, I've got this review, you know, and all this stuff. And Kyle's, I mean, Kyle's just like a legendary stoic. He's like, you know, it's, it's okay, man. You know, it's our, yeah. like our book's not going to be for everybody, but for the people that it's for, it's going to really have a huge effect in their lives. And that's, that's what's proven to be true in the, in the weeks that it's come out. The people who get it, the people who uh, have responded to the book have really responded to it and, and have, I think that the most Exciting thing for me has been hearing from people who've walked through grief, who've who've themselves lost loved ones, especially in the last two years with COVID, and and talking about how this book has helped them. So yeah, for that I'm I'm willing to to deal with a couple of bad reviews for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some conversations with other content creators, even just recently, about how much that negative feedback, let's say Christian content creators specifically, mm-hmm. how much that negative feedback really like knocks them on their butt. I, Mm -hmm. my book isn't out yet. It comes out in October, but I'm already getting negative reviews. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, well, you know, I think there are a few people who just like, they, they live on these, these forums and they get a kick off of getting the early negative review out. Yes. And and they're kind of trolls in that sense. A hundred percent. And I completely agree. And and even do you follow Elise Myers on TikTok? Mm. No, has blown up recently. She's another one that she has like a million followers. And she posted these really vulnerable stories like a week or two ago because she had gone on Reddit and read about herself, which Mm -hmm. is horrible, like horrible move. And she says that she's like, I don't know why I do this to myself, you know, (laughs) but Elise is like one of those. Like I look at her and like, she's not controversial. She's Mm -hmm. funny. She's gives like hope and light and all of this kind of stuff. If people can find time to hate her, <laughs> you people like you and I are just like walking targets. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, and I think that, but I think that there's such a trickle down, like 
there are people who are never going to and don't want to live their lives in any kind of internet forum that are going to get feedback from people in their lives Mm -hmm. that's unnecessarily negative or unnecessarily condescending or condemning or whatever. And I Mm -hmm. think it kind of comes down to what we were talking about earlier, like the heart behind what you're doing. Y'all know the heart behind Babylon B. Is it Mm -hmm. to be funny? Yes. Is it to create content? Yes. But it's also to like help people not feel so isolated and, you know, put this witty spin on things. Mm -hmm. If you're rooted in that, are like, are the negative book reviews going to shake you a little bit? Yes. hundred percent. But you're going to be able to move on from it. Absolutely. You know, even in the book itself, I mean, we, we, at the very beginning, we dedicate the book. And so I just, so I get it right here. I'll, I'll read it to you. But I think in some ways the, the, those negative comments can be good. If you take them the right way, they can be good at, at reminding you not to be too full of yourself. Yes. And so our, our book at the beginning, it says, this book is dedicated to the quiet, faithful, forgotten on earth, but remembered in heaven and the ones that struggle to keep moving forward one obedient step at a time. And I think that's, that's a theme that kept coming out as we, we wrote this book that the Christian life and, and serving Jesus is often unseen and not very glorious. And uh, you don't have a lot of accolades. And I, th- and I think that, that a lot of the impact that we have as Christians, just in faithfully serving the Lord will never really be seen until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I often think that, you know, if I do this for another 10 years and see nothing from it, but I go to heaven and I and I meet someone who found Christ as a result of something I wrote or something I said, or in some way that God used me, well, there you go. That's, that's my life's work. That's all you need, right? Yeah. And that you'll get to the, an- get to the end knowing you walked through this life, like using your gift. And Absolutely. like, that's a huge one for me. Like, I want to get to the end. Like, I want to burn out into the end, yeah. not like physical <laughs> burnout, but I yeah. want to like bike riding. Like I want to burn out. Like I want to yeah. just come in hot and fast, like using everything I've got to make heaven as full as possible in the way that God created me specifically and uniquely to do it. Yep. And I think that if we saw that attitude amongst the church, holy crap, like, yeah, it'd be so awesome, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think it, in my, and you'll probably relate to this too, because I think like our generation coming up in the Christian world, there was this sense that, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to go out, we're going to be missionaries. We're going to do great things for God, you know, radical by David Platt. We're going to take over the world. We're going to start an underground church and everything. And, and for most Christians, faithful service and, and using your talents for the glory of God doesn't look like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one thing that really helped me in, in recent years was before I came to the Babylon Bee, I worked for a sticker company. They printed stickers. Yeah. And um, really, you know, not kind of a mundane work, but this is a, a company owned by Christians. And these people were so missional, like they saw every little thing they did, every sticker that they print was was a mission opportunity was a way to glorify God and it kind of really opened my eyes to 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 how you know service to Christ doesn't necessarily look like I was brought up yeah to to think it looks and and uh God God uses all all kinds of people in, in different ways and I think that one of the the greatest ways we can glorify God is to to find what he's gifted us to do yes. and then and then just drive that into the ground for his yes. service as much as possible 
I love that. Yeah. Because I mean, I think we're probably pretty close to the same age and, you know, definitely early school, high school, and even into college, it was like you graduate and you move to China. Yeah. And that's what good Christians do. And if you don't, if you don't do that, then you get married and then you move to like Mexico (laughs) and you are Africa. I was going to be a missionary pilot. I actually got my pilot's license. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go to like the bush. I'm going to be a bush pilot. I'm going to fly, you know, I'm like Jim Elliott, Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. Yeah. probably getting murdered by natives and I'll have a great martyr story. <laughs> like, and that's cool. Like I'll, I'll, that's just how it's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> like I was a hundred percent going to marry a boy in college. Didn't marry him, but looking out God, but I was going to marry a boy that was in construction management that wanted to move to Africa and build wells. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. I would have <laughs> sucked at that. I would have been so bad at that. Like that is not how God gifted me. And I love getting to support financially and emotionally and spiritually people that do feel called to that. Yeah. I am not a goer. Yeah. I, I'm just not, I have way too much travel anxiety. <laughs> like yeah. I've had panic attacks getting on planes before. That's not how God hard, hardwired me. He did hardwire me to sit behind a computer mic <laughs> and reach thousands of people every week. Heck yeah. You know what I mean? It's isn't it amazing. I mean, what technology has oh done that I mean, the fact that you can reach people all over the world now is it's just remarkable. You're literally sitting in front of your washing machine right now. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, there's underwear back here and everything. Yeah. Hopefully nothing too bad. But no, yeah. you're good. But like <laughs> it is. It's and that's not you said earlier that you know we kind of think some like gifts or whatever are shinier or more important mm-hmm. than others. You know, I love my job and I love what I get to do and I love podcasting and writing books. But the most important job I'm doing is raising two kids to go out mm-hmm. into the world and use whatever gifts God has given them and helping shepherd them towards those. Yep. Bar none. Like it's Absolutely. not even a competition. Not it's even close. not even close. And so, and if you're not a parent and being a parent, isn't something that God has in your life, he's still gifted you in some very important way to walk forward into this Christian life. And so mm-hmm. I don't want it to sound like, cause we're both coming at it from these more like internet streets <laughs> way. This isn't my most important job. You're no, you're exactly right. I, and I, that's another question I get a lot. Like if I'm talking on panels or, you know, after a speech or whatever, you know, you're so influential in the culture because of what you do. Like, you know, how can we make a difference in the culture? How can we turn this culture around? And my, my response is always like, do you have kids? Yeah. Like that's it. Like your family is it. Yeah. You know, uh, molding the the spiritual lives of your children, training them in in what is right. Hopefully cultivating a, a love for Jesus. That is how you change the world. Yeah. You don't have to get bigger than that. That, That is revolutionary by itself. Amen. Uh, yeah, I think that, yes, it is really cool that we can reach thousands of people and never have to leave our laundry room. <laughs> I don't consider that any more cool or important than my best friend who is a homeschool mom and she's freaking superwoman, <laughs> and she makes me want to be a better mom and makes me a better mom. And I learned so much from her. I think that we've gotten those elevations a little, yeah. a little off. Absolutely. I, I feel like maybe we're rediscovering that. Yeah, I do too. It seems that way. Just, just, I just, a feeling out there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like just, just totally from like a personal perspective. And it is maybe difficult to, 
to come up with, but like, what's your favorite like thing y'all have done or written or created? Do you have a favorite? Maybe I have a personal favorite and it, it might be kind of sentimental because it's one of the first things I did for the bee that, that went viral. Okay. So I'll, I'll see if I can find it here. I wrote a headline a few years ago that was the LA. So this was after RBG died. And I, I wrote an article about how the LA Lakers were going to wear special uh, lace collars with their jerseys to honor RBG. I think what made it so fun was the fact that it went mega viral on the left who thought it was real and so inspiring. Like it got, it got shared by like the editor in chief of like Vogue magazine. Oh my um, God. Like it went viral in fashion circles in Paris and like LinkedIn. It was our first viral hit on LinkedIn. Like all the HR <laughs> managers on LinkedIn were like, this is so inspiring. I'm literally crying right now, you know? <laughs> and I think it was funny to me because I was like, okay, I, I'm over the target because it like, I just wrote something that is just convincing enough to where people actually think it's real. Like right. I'm, I'm in the heads of oh these gosh. people enough to where I'm writing effective satire. And so that, that was really encouraging, encouraging to me early on to kind of keep going with what I was doing, it, but it was hilarious. funny. <laughs> it makes it a hundred times better when people can't tell if it's satire or not. Like that's good satire. Oh my goodness. Well, what was even funnier was people were actually opening the article and reading it and pulling quotes out of it. And they still thought it was real. Like I thought the article, the way I wrote it was over the top and everything. Cause they, I was talking about how the basketball players like ran home and they like, they got like the lace doilies off their mom's table, like from under their mom's table, table, table lamps. And they were cutting holes in them to put them on their jerk. Like, and people still thought it was real after <laughs> reading that. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably my personal That's a favorite. really good one. I like him having trouble recovering from that because that's so funny. And that's just, like you said, it's just crazy enough that some people would pick it up and be like, this is so inspiring. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Oh, that's just so good. I'm almost convinced that the only reason that didn't happen was because we wrote our article. Like maybe yeah. they actually had a pallet full of lace doilies in the back of the stadium ready to go. And then our article came out and like, oh, we can't do that now. That will look ridiculous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have like tears. It's so funny. Well, yeah. I like love y'all's work. And I think y'all are, y'all are over the mark in my opinion. I, did I mention this on air earlier about the Satan's like his statement about Rovers is his, his press conference. Yeah. His press conference, <laughs> dying. I was dying. <laughs> and it's just, it's so good. And I'm thankful that there are people out there. Like we can make fun of ourselves while we make fun of other people. That's yeah. the bet. Like that's the best comedy. Think about like your favorite people in comedy. They are always capable of being like self-evaluating enough Absolutely. to make fun of themselves. Absolutely. I'm not going to make fun of Jesus, but we're kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm here for that conversation. We're all silly. We're, we're all the, uh, you know, one of my, I, I still love the three stooges after all yes. these years. I watched them when I was little. And there's, I think there's nothing funnier than watching a well-dressed man slipping on a banana peel. And, and when you think about it, all, all of us Christians are that guy, the well-dressed yeah. man slipping on the banana peel. And so I think when you can remember that, rem remember Jesus is king, and then you can just have fun. Let's, exactly. let's ride this thing out and let's have fun and, and do what we can for his glory and, and leave the rest to him. Amen. Thank you so much, Joel. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.